ask yourself big questions about life, namely the three big questions about life. Questions like, who am I? What is this world that I'm living in? And what's my relationship to this world? What's my purpose here? Many people find themselves asking these questions for our entire lives. And some people never get the benefit of answering them. It can be a question that people take from childhood. You know, what do you want to do with your life to however long? And it doesn't need to be that way. There are some ways of answering these questions that are more accessible than what I once realized. And I didn't used to think it was that important to answer these questions. I thought it was something I could do later, but this podcast is all about helping you boost your abundance. And as I've learned more and more about what it means to be abundant, yeah, abundance means I have as much health and as much happiness and as much great relationships and as much money and all these things that make me feel abundant. But how am I going to feel fully abundant unless I have the answers to questions like, who am I? And what is this world that I live in? And what is my relationship to this world? And that's why on this episode of the Thinking Vitamins podcast, I am inviting Dr. Ivango Lan to give us some practical tools on how we can answer these questions. Now, if you're listening to the Thinking Vitamins podcast for the first time, this is the podcast that will give you ideas, mantras, stories, interviews, perspective shifts, literally anything that relates to helping you boost your abundance. My name is Jill McCabe. I'm the host of the podcast. And before we begin today, if you have been listening to the show for a while and you've been enjoying it, please take a moment to go ahead and subscribe if you're watching on YouTube and hit that notifications bell or rate or like the show on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you are listening to the show. Now for today's episode, I'm going to be talking to Dr. Langevin. Dr. Alangovan, also known as Alango, has been a professor of organizational behavior at the Gustavan School of Business, University of Victoria, since 1992. His research, teaching, and consulting interests are in the areas of leadership, meaningfulness, and work stages of organizational growth and analysis, as well as trust, well-being, wisdom, and negotiation. He has served as the Associate Dean from 2008 to 2011 and has been the Director of GESB International since 2003. In October 2021, Alangovan was appointed a Special Advisor to the President of the University of Victoria for Strategic Planning, and he was recently appointed the Associate Vice President of Global Engagement at the University of Victoria. I also have the honor of having spoken to Dr. Langevin on several occasions as I was working toward discovering my own purpose and who answered questions like, who am I and what is this world I live in and what is my relationship to this world? Several years ago, I had the opportunity to have many conversations and dinners and explorations with him. And his way he, he will share and does share in this interview 
actual activities and techniques and how to do them. And it's, it's all very concrete. I love the academic viewpoint he brings to this whole thing called life, uh, which we explore as a learning journey. Uh, I learned things about the body-mind connection and surprising information about my gut and emotions that despite doing a lot of investigation in this area was brand new stuff. I have already listened to this conversation several times. I'm excited about sharing it with you today uh, so that you can get some concrete tools to start answering these questions in your life. One last thing before we begin. Um, if you have listened to the Thinking Vitamins podcast and have been enjoying the show, please take a moment to go ahead, if you're watching on YouTube, to subscribe to my channel and hit that notifications bell so you get notified when there's new content. Or if you're on Spotify or Apple, rate or like the show uh, to let me know that you've been following. And with that, Let's dive in to today's episode on answering the big three questions with Dr. Alangavan. Elango, thank you very much for agreeing to talk to me here today on the podcast. My, my pleasure. I've been looking forward to this. I always love these kinds of conversations. Oh, conversations with you have changed my life and I didn't realize that I was actually maybe going to need a tissue. Um, not only have my former conversations with you changed my life, but you, through you, because of you, I have been able to uplift the lives of many. And so when you said yes to being a guest on the Thinking Vitamins podcast, I think my heart just bloomed with joy and and gratitude and um, an excitement that I get to have another conversation with you. That's very gracious and very kind of you. I, the, the feeling is mutual. I think these conversations, I think, are um, help me uh, reaffirm my own journey as well. So I, anytime, I think it's, it's kindred spirits walking together. So happy to do this. Anytime noted. Everybody heard that. Okay. So, so, uh, just to, before we dive in, I know we're here to talk about uh, crafting a life filled with grace, and you have a beautiful story to share and a journey to share around that. And before we did get started on that, for those listening, you know, so many people struggle with how to find their calling or how to find their purpose. And that was definitely me. I was struggling for years and eventually gave up. And then it was during my master's in leadership where I learned that this thing called purpose or calling was this massive accelerant to sort of maybe a life filled with grace or joy or, or creating, you know, a life you really feel at home in. And I was worried because I didn't know mine. And then we were connected through a mutual friend and you were the one who shared with me some activities that I could do that would help me illuminate, you know, my calling and it worked. 
And I wrote about that in my book, It's Go Time in Chapter 5. And I've also now been helping people use that process for years. And actually, we might have a fun conversation about that before we get to the other things. So talk to me a little bit about how you got to be so skilled at helping people find their calling. No, I, I uh, thank you for, for that question. I think the, um, the, the question of a calling itself has been something that I've wrestled with for about 15, 20 years now. As, you, as we all go through lives, we are trying to pour our heart and soul into the work we do. We want to accomplish um, certain aspects, but we also want a sense of deep fulfillment and well-being. And you start to uh, you know, wrestle with, unpack that experience you have as you go through this journey of trying to do what you want to do. And as, I, as a researcher, as I started digging into it, I realized that the whole notion of calling is often muddied when there are two kinds of questions or dimensions that people get all confused about. One, the moment you use the word calling, some, for some people it has a very divine connotation. Some kind of a orientation that it's a God-given aspect that they, so they, they kind of sometimes shy away from it because it seems to have that kind of a connotation to it. But there is also a secular interpretation of that concept. So right off the bat, the assumptions we carry in our heads about is the notion of a calling of divine or secular origin uh, becomes a relevant one. The other assumption people often make is the moment they hear the word calling, they automatically think it's connected to the work they do for a living and immediately connected to some kind of an occupational label. Right, right away they go, a doctor or a lawyer or a professor or a teacher, whatever it may be. And, but you start to go, no, it doesn't have to be connected with an occupational label. All occupational labels are socially constructed. So if you go back, you know, a thousand years ago, maybe there were occupational labels that, that didn't exist that we have now. So it can't be connected to an occupational label. It could be, but doesn't have to be, right? So you take these two dimensions together and you realize you know, we've been making this assumption often that a calling is somehow divinely inspired and connected to what you do for a living, but there are other ways to interpret that. And you go, you know, perhaps you're called to a certain value or a principle that manifests itself in different ways in what you do for a living, but it's not directly and explicitly and solely connected to an occupational label. That is so liberating. Right, because you go, you know, deep down the essence of me is about helping people, or the deep down the essence of me is about um, guiding others, or it's about you know um, translating beauty, whatever it may be. It's a bit more of an abstract principle or a value you're drawn to. Then you ask yourself, in what occupational label can I truly manifest that? Can I truly live that? This is so liberating. People go, I'm not. I don't have to be wed to any one occupation, perhaps I can live my calling in so many existing occupational boxes or create a new one if I need be. All I need to do is to remember to stay on the thread of the essence of who I am. That's my purpose. That's my calling. The occupation is just a vehicle for you to live it. Stay on the thread of the essence of who I am. I mean, I just needed to punctuate that, although I could have just repeated all of that. I love that you went right there with the discussion because that is what, you know, you taught me. And 
there's there's one thing we might have a little bit of a a chat about one thing, but let's talk about that translating beauty idea. Because I was really, you know, it is these abstracts. I've now helped people. I, I share the tool in my book. You, know, you can go to chapter five and 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 read um, how I help people. And it was you who shared, you know, Jill, just write down these stories of your life. And mm-hmm. I've actually done some spring off stuff we can chat about with writing different types of stories. But they'll they'll write down stories where they felt that they were at their best and um, and they felt connected. I do find what you're saying to be true is that, and then, and then, sorry, the process is write down the stories and then find the common themes in the stories. And then you might find that essence of what motivates you. Am I on the right track so far? You are. I'm going to add a bit of a twist to that one because I'm going to, um, I think when you and I talked, perhaps we talked about that kind of an exercise where you're getting people around you who know you well, to, to not write that stories one. about when they saw you at your best. No, You're that one about I your don't personal, like. The personal inward I'm talking about the personal. So I actually get people to write stories about when they had the most fun, when they felt the most challenged, when they felt the best about who they were. I've actually discovered when people write about you, that's about them. <laughs> ah, I okay. don't love that one as yeah. much. <laughs> I like it. It can yeah. feel very good and reaffirming but I prefer that you write your own stories one. Oh yeah, I mean, there are, there, I mean that, that goes along with the, um, the, the stories that other people may write. I call it the windows and mirrors exercise. I don't know whether we got into that level of detail when you and I Let's talked. Let's do it. So think of the windows as other people, you are, here you are in a room living your life. Here are other people looking in through the windows and recalling the best of you. That's the story exercise we talked about, others writing that one. But it's what I call the windows exercise. At least we get to see the best of us through the lens and eyes of the other people around us, right? The mirror exercise is a different one, which is the one you're writing about yourself. And here, what you're asking yourself is, what was the most meaningful thing that happened to me in the last one month or the last two months? And if you know, the time period can be varied depending on until you land on something, you say, ah, that was a very meaningful experience I had. And then you unpack that and say, why was that meaningful? Uh, and you struggle with that and you go and you come up with an answer. Then you ask again, why, is, why was that meaningful or important to you? And you keep asking why, why, why? And this process could take quite a bit of time mm-hmm. until you finally arrive at an answer and you go, there's no more why, I can't tell you anymore. This is why why Set. this is important. Yeah. You arrived at the essence of who you are as a human being. Then you can test it. You test it by asking yourself, this, this answer I landed on, is that prevalent to all those moments in my life that I thought was meaningful? Or vice versa, anytime this, this element was present, did I think of those moments as meaningful? Right? You're testing to see because we don't remember every moment of our life. We remember certain moments in our lives that carry meaning for us. And we, we want to see if that essence, that answer you landed on finally, is actually prevalent at every single moment. If yes, you have arrived at the essence of who you are. If not, keep pushing. Yeah. That's not it. So that's, the, that's a very uh, more complicated, more difficult uh, process. But at the end of it, you truly have arrived 
at the essence of who you are as a person. So that is very similar to the work that I do when I work with people, because what we found yeah. was, does it apply to all of them is part of the work because otherwise we can mm. find these things, but it, the other thing that I've discovered, at least for the per people who work with me is I know my problem in wanting to find my calling was first of all, I think your differentiation, and I want to come back to it before we go forward, because I think for listeners, this is really important, is that it's not a job title, <laughs> okay? It's just mm -hmm. not. It's, it's something, I like to say it's something we can do by breakfast or lunch every day. It's, we do not need to even have a, we, a vocation to be able to express ourselves in in what's meaningful to us. And I think that that's really important. And so we could choose many vocations in which we could express uh, our purpose. And I think there is a confusion there between purpose, you know, which is, um, you know, what do you call it? The essence of, or how did you define purpose? The essence of essence of who you are as as a person. There you go. The essence. Of I talked about landing on the thread of the essence of who you are. Yeah, the thread of the essence. I love this. The thread of the essence of who you are as a person versus, you know, a vocation, which is potentially a mission that allows you to develop that thread effectively, and uh, maybe turn it into fabric. Yeah. Right. And so a mission, yeah. and so that's one thing. The other thing that. Uh, at least in my work that has come forward in the type of people that I work with is that if we haven't nurtured that thread, it might be quite fine <laughs> and it might not be noticeable. And I know for me, yeah. I thought there would be a marching band, you know, with drummers and I thought there would be, um, I thought it would be kind of a big event, maybe fireworks. Like I just thought there was going to be like, my purpose has been discovered. <gasps> Woohoo! You know, here comes the parade. And instead it was like, yeah. is that it? Is that really it? And one of the reasons, so one of the activities that I give people that's harmonious with what you described around um, the mirror activity is to sit with it and think about, connect the idea all day long with your actions from waking to the end of the day. And notice how it makes you feel. Continue to choose actions that make you feel more that way. And so I call it a purpose acorn so that you spend, you know, several weeks or several months aligning your actions with this thread. And what ultimately happens is I do believe in almost, I mean, all, almost all of my clients have reported, I couldn't say all because I couldn't remember exactly, have eventually developed frisson, have eventually developed physical response. And one of the things I say is, what if your purpose didn't have a, an English or whatever language you speak word that goes with it? Does that make it not your purpose? You know if you're on purpose by a visceral, physical response from your body. And so don't let anyone tell you what it is and don't cerebrally just decide what it is. Live into it and let your body tell you how happy it is. Those are important points you raised. So I will talk about those two points. One was the fact that people often expect when they discover their calling, it's going to be fireworks and this amazing aha moment that suddenly life is love rainbows and, and looks different from that moment on. 
but it's it's often a gentle um slow realization that that lands upon us as we continue the journey and the clarity may come in in bits and pieces and and that's perfectly fine it doesn't have to be a dramatic moment right um and the um the second aspect you talked about and i'm trying to recall your your um the physical, I was talking this, about allow your body to tell you you're on the right track. Exactly. I think that is the sense that um, you, there is a certainly a physical reaction to it. And your point about aligning all the activities during the day onto that thread is bang on. I call it the freedom of no choices. You feel free because you really don't have a choice, but you have to do that or be that. It is very liberating. It's very liberating once we land there because there is a sense, yeah, this is this is a path and this is what I need to do because I understand that is truly who I am and that is that one principle I cannot violate because I would be doing harm to the essence of who I am as a person. Right? I am just basking in that for a moment. Listeners, do you see why I needed to get him on the show? Oh my goodness. That is beautiful. The power, sorry, the power of no choices or the freedom? The freedom of no choices. Freedom. You are free because you don't have any choice but to be who you truly are now that you know who you are. I love that. It's because I f definitely feel the no choice. I mean, people ask me about, you know, what I'm doing, what I'm working on. And, and I'm like, what else, you know, <laughs> I, you know, Oh, do you like it or whatever? And it's like, like, I don't even know if that comes into it. I don't have a choice, <laughs> but I never connected. Yeah. Like, I'm pretty sure I don't have a choice. I'm pretty sure when I get off path, um, I will be nudged back on the path, uh, maybe not so gently. So I really feel, you know, and you talked earlier about whether it's God's purpose or, you know, divine's purpose or a different kind of purpose. For me, it probably started as a vocational calling. I didn't necessarily include the concept of, of divine in it, but now I definitely feel divine. It's divine. I feel like, I feel like I do what I'm told. <laughs> Yeah, as I said, I mean, there, there, it doesn't have to have a divine connotation or interpretation, but that's no. Yeah, but I also want to highlight you use the word vocation a few times. The origin of the uh, the word vocation is vocare, means to call, and so the the essence of the word calling is actually buried in the in the word vocation. Uh, if you go back to the the etymology of of the word itself, um, so you you are kind of called to live life in a certain way, hence the vocation, right? So we kind of drifted away from it. Now it's all about occupations and professions as opposed to a vocation. I really like that. I think, um, I think a lot of people yeah. need that at this point in time to think about the idea of a vocation and a calling. We are still very much amidst a great resignation and we're, we've resigned, you know, so many people are resigning. Um, I, mm -hmm. I, I really pray for a change to how we term that because I think the concept of giving up is not one that we want people to live into. Um, you know, maybe the great rejuvenation could be something that catches on. And I think 
finding that vocation, understanding that that comes from calling would be great. I think, I know we're here to talk about crafting a life filled with grace. And thank you so much for, for going down that side trail um, because that's, it was nice to catch up on this conversation. Before we do, just so listeners, I think one thing that I wanted to highlight about what you said, just again, just because I know it. So can you just, before we change gears, share with listeners, there was that example of beauty, but can you give a few examples of what you've heard um, these threads sound like? Because I think a lot of people are like, build that school, or, you know, it's still very project-based to to give people a sense of what might come up for them. Yeah, I mean, it, it is, um, as we go through this exercise of trying to figure out, is the essence of my calling conveniently located in a certain occupation that's currently exists in society, which means power to you, that's good. You already know what you have to do. Go ahead and do it. But for a vast majority of people, you find, you know, they think about the different boxes and occupations and go, I like some of the activities in that, but not all of it. You know, so there's certain aspects that fill me up. I feel alive. I feel that I'm truly being who I am, but there are elements of the same occupation that really isn't me. That's when you ask people, okay, look at the aspects that you truly like and see what is it about those aspects that, that makes fills you up, that draws you in, that makes you come alive. And you start to go, can I articulate that? Can I put my finger on it? And you're landing at that point, it could be a certain value or a principle that you say, that is at the heart of who I am. And for some people, it's about anything that involves creating something, that's fantastic. So you say, okay, it's not just about you you know, starting a new venture, that's not, but the essence of what you are, what fills you up is you like to be creative. And if it happens to be creative in the sense of starting a new business, fantastic. But you could be equally filled up if you're creating something else. And oh yeah, okay, that means put your, hang your hat on the creativity part, not just about being an entrepreneur because it's a creativity that fills you up and entrepreneurship is merely a vehicle to do that one. Right. So that allows us to take a step back and we see now the field is open. I can do a whole bunch of creative things. That's going to fill, fill me up. Uh, similar to, to about you know, translating beauty. You say, no, I'm drawn to, uh, you realize you're drawn to anything that is beautiful. You go, oh, it could be beautiful sound. It could be about music. It could be beautiful visuals. It could be about art and painting. It could be about photography. It could be about settings. You go, Anything that brings beauty into people's lives, where I can help people experience a sense of beauty, that's important to me. And there are so many different ways to do it. That can be beauty in words, right? And when you read poetry and you read some beautiful writing, you go, that touches me because that's beautiful. And maybe I should be an editor and talk about how do I make people's writing beautiful. So the, suddenly you interpret roles in a different light because you're landed on the essence of who you are. And through that lens, you are now looking at a range of activities. So you no longer feel trapped. You no longer feel constrained, boxed in. You've, it kind of lends truth to the argument. Yes, you can imagine and craft the kind of work and activities that you want to do in your life. Wow. Thank you. I, I couldn't have hoped for uh, a clearer representation to empower listeners to get on their thread, no matter what, wherever you are. Um, now, I know that 
one of the things we plan to talk about today, or the, the main thing we actually plan to talk about today was uh, this idea of crafting a life with grace. And I was really happy to hear when, you know, we, we reconnected that you're feeling so good right now, you know, renewed, um, reoriented, reaffirmed, but you went through some turbulence to get there. I would love for you to speak a, a little bit more about, about that. You're in a great place, but it, it, it wasn't, you know, sounds yeah. like there was a, a little bit of a challenge to get to this great place. Always, always a journey, right? Uh, adversity is, is an essential part of us growing and actually discovering more about the journey that, that we are on. Um, in a nutshell, you know, I uh, always had a rich and meaningful um, uh, life and, and work life. And so it also meant for 35 years, I've been on the go, go, go all the time because lots to accomplish, lots to do. I get drawn into, into a lot of activities. But I went through a health crisis for the last three years. And in a nutshell, I think the, the cause was a burnout. But of course, there are not just at work, but you have you know, family-related obligations and aging parent issues and the normal stuff that happens, happens in life that can add to the stress. And if you don't pay attention to it, if you don't recognize it, sooner or later, it shows up in some way. The, 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 every emotion you feel is registered in the body and there is a very strong body-mind connection. I'm very deliberately using the, the sequence body-mind rather than mind-body. Uh, we, we'll find later on that the body is the king, that the, there are more connection going from the body to the mind and we have to take care of the body. That's the vehicle for us to serve the mind and then the, the mind in turn allows us to arrive at the sense of who we truly are. But the body is, is the foundation for all of that. Anyway, it, it took me a while to, to learn all that. But long story short, it, by the time I, it took me three and a half years to come out of it, but it's like coming through a portal into a new way of being and thinking and feeling that there's no going back now. You, once you have arrived, and for me, it was what I call the aligning of the physical, psychological, and philosophical dimensions of your life. It, is, it actually comes back to the same thread. We're not actually deviating from this notion of how do I snap on everything onto one thread again, right? That's the essence. So because sometimes we, in, in a, we psychologically, we can think of this is the way I, I ought to be living my life, can be somewhat disconnected from our day-to-day -day, uh, physical activities, the things we do from taking care of our own bodies, and abstract philosophical questions that we struggle with, we, we kind of leave it hanging out there. So we wander around with nuggets of insights, and nuggets of anchors, if you want to call it, but they, not everything is connected up, but we can actually link everything up everything from your physical to your psychological to your philosophical, that level of integration, that level of integrity in your life, that thread suddenly gives you a, a new way of being that is transformative. It is life-altering, it's profound, and you go, wow, now I have another journey to go get onto, a different journey where the foundation is all lined up. It is not a fragmented, 
foundation, fragmented even, even if it's felt somewhat stable, not as um, true and grounded as this integrated foundation on which now you're embarking on the next chapter of your life. That's the place I'm at now. Okay, this integrated foundation. I'm going to dive in here. Uh, physical, psychological, and... Philosophical. Philosophical, okay. And the, yeah, and the physical and the psychological are in the service of the philosophical foundation. Can you... So I'm just going to ask, you know, just like break it down here a little bit. So physical, you mean body, body-mind connection, right? So by, you mean caring for the physical mm -hmm. form. Okay. By, I want to yeah. kind of get into psychological versus philosophical. So psychological, you're referring to? Let me, let me uh, come at it from the reverse order. Let's start with the philosophical, then I'll connect okay. it to the psychological, then to the physical. Okay. Okay. So one of the, one of the insights that I had during my own uh, illness was the fact that the big questions in in life, at least in my life, I realized um, were down to three big ones. The three questions were, who am I? What is this world or context in which I am located, that I live and function? And how do I relate to it? Right? Only three, right? You, the, the, you the subject, the context in which the subject is located, and how you relate to the context. Uh, as simple as that. Only three big questions. The third question, which is what most of the time we're all talking about, how do I live life, is a question of how do I relate to the, the world around me and the life on this planet Earth, right? That's the third question we're all trying to answer. But the third question cannot be answered until I answer the first question. Until I answer who am I and what is the context in which I'm located, I can't answer the question, how should I relate to that context, right? Yeah. A lot of us spend time focusing on the third question without addressing the first two. And before addressing the second question, you have to address the first question, who am I? And I realize that is the most important question we all can answer. And the supreme adventure in all our lives is the journey of discovery of who am I, the journey to our real self, the self with a capital S. That's the key one. Now, I also realized that the first question is not really a question to be answered, but an experience to be had. Yes. Meaning, I can't just intellectualize it. I can put words around it. I can come up with an answer, but it's going to be abstract. It is going to be vague until such time as you truly experience it. So that goes right back to an earlier point we made, Jill, about it has to be a physical experience. Deep down, you feel it, right? He said it was a visceral physical one. That who am I, strangely enough, it's the most philosophical question. At its deepest point comes down to a physical experience of realization of this is who I, I really am, right? Now, it, it, it comes back full loop. What I realized was to arrive at that experience, it is going to be a journey and that the physical and the psychological come in as necessary scaffolding for us to try to get to that experience of who I am. 
And for example, if I were to articulate a connection, breathing, which is one of the elements of the physical one I'm going to I'll talk about, simple breathing, which we all just never think about, but deliberate, conscious breathing exercises is so important because regulate our breathing, you, can't, you slow down the body and, and the nervous systems and the functions. When your body slows down, you're able to calm and still your mind. And when you're able to calm and still your mind, you're able to see who you truly are. It's like being able to look at the bottom of a, of a lake or a, or a river when the water is calm. When it's rushing and gushing, you can't see anything. But when the water is still and calm, you're able to see all the way down, right? So that is the way we live our daily lives in a physical way, how we breathe, how we sleep, how we eat, how much we move, and all those aspects are preparation to slow down and still the mind. If your body is not okay, if you're not well, it is not possible for the mind to be still. The mind is jumping around. It's all frantic. It's all being fired up because the body is not. not it. The body is the vehicle for the mind. And once you can get the body under control, then the mind, that then slowly allows us to get to the realization of who we truly are. It's not just an answer, cognitive answer to be had. So I've given you a kind of a snapshot. We can go into details. Definitely. We are going to. <laughs> I love this. I have, yeah. you know, you might, um, I have something to share. Then that's a fun. So I had, uh, you know, my, you know, this who am I, you know, question. I, I love this, right? And I don't ask that question anymore. And I'm blessed to not need to ask that question now anymore. And, but I asked it certainly for a very long time. And I work, worked with this, I work with many wonderful people that helped me bring out my expression. And I worked with this uh, very interesting woman and my business was sort of poised to build it. You know, my business was sort of poised to build. And so most people who'd be entrepreneurs would, you know, build, 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 earn, 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 make, make, make. But I, I already had the experience of having a multi-million dollar business and sort of, I also know that that's kind of scaffolding in the real world that can be actually limiting, that can box you in. And so I was sort of looking at it and I was asking her, you know, how do I grow? How do I get bigger? How do I they, you know, just asking all the empty questions. And, <laughs> and she just said, no, no you need to focus on self-care. I'm like, oh, I did that. I like went on a walk and I did breathing activity. She's like, no, <laughs> no, you need to do it for a year. And so I'm actually right in the middle of my self-care year. And it's quite funny because I have a, a business that helps people grow businesses and my business is doing fine. It's actually doing fine. It's we're not on some crazy growth track, but we're actually doing really well. And I have eliminated all my goals other than having so much fun, so much love, so much health, <laughs> so much joy. And if it doesn't fall into one of those buckets, it's like, nah. And I can apply that to work or anywhere. And I'm on a whole year, like I'm just in the middle of learning how to take care of myself. That is literally my year. <laughs> yeah. It's fun. And you're doing, you're doing the right thing because... 
without without that without you uh, respecting uh, taking care of yourself and trusting the wisdom of your body to to heal to to come to a sense of um, holistic wellness you're not going to be able to still the mind enough to be able to see who you truly are i should clarify something about that whole my question and then the earlier connection we talked about with the calling and finding a purpose and that's the other insight i had during my three years of uh, you know reflecting and thinking there's a difference between the real self and the truest expression of the real self when we talk about finding your calling and living your purpose etc etc i see that as the truest expression of your real self there is one layer beneath that that is the real self and a lot of the guidance we give the exercises we talked about and all uh, helping people figure out what do you want to do in your life so that that i think it's important i know that for the vast majority even arriving at the 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 truest expression of a real self is is an amazing um sense of uh, progress in in our journeys uh but just an awareness there's a layer even beneath that uh that even more difficult to get to one doesn't want to get there that's yeah. okay but it is it's always there i had that experience this year actually in one of the podcasts with victoria rader uh who is the author of the 35 laws of prosperity um we talked about we talked about uh this who am i question i sort of i love the the language that you bring to it the calling being the expression of and then the real self in my book it's go time i named the subconscious but um in my current book i've i've actually named another part of my entity <laughs> so i now have three names um <laughs> so i have jill i have my subconscious and then i'll i talk about naming um this other part of my existence uh to rec- to recognize it um so that's yeah interesting yeah. you said uh, a little bit w- before i sort of went into that i've got a year of self care you know that was my assignment this year so i'm like no i want to grow my business she's like no you're going to do self care and i definitely can say i'm halfway through this year and i can definitely say the when you talk about calming the body and caring for the body i'm someone who a couple of years ago did not care about my body. I was so cerebrally oriented that I was like whatever. I just didn't think, you know, and then that this was important. So something that you said earlier that maybe ties into this, you can tell me, is that the you were very clear on saying the body mind connection instead of the mind body connection and is there is there more to be said on that because as someone you know just think you're talking to somebody who 2 years ago was like who cares about my body like i'm all about the you know my connection to my reason for being and i'm like all like cerebral and i'm meditating all the time but i'm not caring for my body um now that's changing i'm halfway through my year you know i've got ways to go but i'm working on it so what would you say to help me embrace yeah. that even more i'll share with you what i've learned and what i've realized but with the uh, with the note that i'm not a medical yes. doctor so 
uh, but I have had these discussions with medical doctors, and they and they uh, nobody has contradicted me and said you're wrong. So I, I know that I'm I'm in the right space, but still with that warning, I'm not a medical doctor. Um, you know, in my 35 years of good health, I did all those things that people say you should be doing. I worked out regularly. I ate healthily. Um, I was I thought I was doing all the good things to keep my body body fit. What I didn't realize was there are certain aspects that go beyond just us going to the gym and staying fit and eating a good, healthy diet. There were three aspects of the body, which I found out has profound impacts on the nervous system, which in turn impacts how you perceive, understand, and make sense of the world around you. Right? I'm going to talk about three systems okay. in our body. The, the first one is the diaphragm. Diaphragm is that muscle that sits beneath the lung. Yeah, yeah, the diaphragm. The second one is a muscle called the psoas muscle. It is spelled P-S-O-A-S. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of it before. It's a muscle that sits deep within your abdomen. It's actually called the muscle of the soul, as an S-O-U-L, because it registers all the emotions that you experience. Especially negative, stressful experiences are all felt in that muscle and it tightens up. And as you know, there are these strong links between the gut and the brain. The gut brain, they call the gut the second brain. There are more signals going from the gut to the brain rather than from the brain to the gut. So every emotion you feel is felt in the psoas muscle and kicks it back to the brain with a signal and the way you start perceiving the world and, and looking at things starts to change, right? And the third one is the, the vagus nerve. And you can Google this, V-A-G-U-S, the vagus nerve. It is a nerve that runs all over, all over the body. The three are somewhat connected because the, you know, when you deep breathe, even doing some deep breathing, you're working the diaphragm, which actually sits very close to the psoas muscle. And the deep breathing actually activates the parasympathetic nervous system. We call it the rest and digest nervous system as opposed to the fight or flight nervous system, right? What I realized was if you want to change the way you think of the world around you, thinking about your life, thinking about your prospects, thinking about the future, whatever it may be, signals that we are getting, the, the, the perception that we are having, parasympathetic nervous system was activated, that seems to bring about a different sensibility and a sense and a feeling of the world around you as opposed to the fight or flight nervous triggering that starts to look at things with a certain, this is danger in my life or threat in my life and anxiety inducing perception in my life, right? So Tai Chi, yoga, the breathing exercises, meditation, doesn't matter, all of these ones start to trigger your parasympathetic nervous system. The vagus nerve is involved in that. The psoas muscle can be stretched to bring about the same thing. And the diaphragm breathing, which is so central to yoga and tai chi and qigong, all do the same thing. I realize I can go work in the gym and get all my muscles all buffed up. But if I'm not activating and working out my diaphragm and my psoas muscle, and there are exercises for the vagus nerve as well, you go, ha, ah, very different. They seem very soft and gentle, but they are doing magic on the inside of the body that impacts 
how you, your mind works and how you look at the world around you. It was profound, right, in terms of how that shift can happen. Once, and you go, oh, no wonder some of these people have the sense of peace and calm. Talk about a sense, a life filled with grace. Because what is active is the parasympathetic nervous system and not the fight or flight one, but the rest and digest system. It has implications for ailments. It has implications for inflammation in your body. All kinds of things that come down. And you go, and now my life healthier. The way I look at the world is healthier and my ability to understand who I truly am is also enhanced because my body is and at peace in doing that. Oh, this is... So a profound uh, connection between the body and the mind. So the emotions, the psoas, is registering all of our emotions and kicking that up to the brain. Is that correct? Yeah, so... Exactly. So it is signaling that you're anxious, it is tight, it is stressed, and it becomes a vicious loop, right? Um, then the mind signals it back and the psoas muscle gets even more tight. It goes on and on and on. So that even though you were eating well and... Uh, so what was a big shift that you made during this health crisis that you had? Was it, was the focus on breathing or Tai Chi or meditation or combination of what do you think, um, what worked for you? I, I threw at a physical level, I threw everything at it. I was doing yoga. I was doing Tai Chi. I was doing pranayama. This is a breathing exercises. I was meditating. I was deep, you know, going for walks in nature. Um, I was connecting with people. So I was doing, pushing every button that you normally hear about as being good for you because it was a very long journey to come, come out of it. But I think the key trigger, everything then flipped over and kind of accelerated. The moment in my own mind, I could align the physical, psychological, and the philosophical. See, to me, that was a sense of um, integrity and harmony that far exceeded any other um, single, um, method or activity that could kind of propel me into a new 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 phase of being you know it is a sense you get when when you are doing a project or something when all the pieces are perfectly aligned or you have a meal and everything is perfect about that meal the setting is beautiful the discussion you had with the person who's eating with you is fantastic the food is fantastic the wine is fantastic the music is great that couldn't be any better because all the pieces fit that's the way i felt the physical, psychological, and philosophical pieces all fit. And you finally go, now this, there is elegance here, there is integrity here. And that was a massive boost. This clicking of the pieces together pushes you into the next phase. You go through that portal and you say, oh, now I can. It's a different journey that I'm, that I'm Did on. Did you notice a shift in your health situation? I mean, I'm imagining throughout, but was there any notable shift when you made that connection of those three things or where did that fall in the timeline for you? It, it came towards the end because this, uh, this um, uh, clicking of the physical, psychological and philosophical came towards the end of my three, three and a half year journey. Um, but there was certainly a qualitative shift in how I felt. The moment that happened, it was as if you're on to the next step 
and kind of moving forward uh, very, very rapidly. And I could sense that. I could feel it in my bones. I could feel that sense of peace, that sense of, yeah, you know, yeah. And because you've, your ability to be here now, staying in moment now, suddenly gets better. You're not always looking at the past and thinking of the, the regrets and the pain and the trauma of life's events of the past, nor are you just thinking about the future and filled with doubts and anxieties and fears. You know, both of them kind of fade away a little bit and you're able to suddenly live a bit more in the present. And even if you do think of the past and the present or future, it doesn't seem to weigh that heavily on you. Life as a whole sits very lightly on your shoulders and there's a certain ease that comes with it. There's a movie title that I always kind of um, comes to mind when I'm in those kinds of moments, the unbearable lightness of being. And I, and, I, and, I, and I love that title because that's exactly how you feel. You feel more of when all these pieces are lined up and you go, yeah, this, this, there's a sense of peace and, and grace that you, that you experience. And you know deep down there is an essence of when difficulty comes and adversity comes and failures come, you will be able to navigate that gracefully. And when successes come and high points come and triumphs come in your life, you will be gracious when that comes. So there is gracefulness and defeat and graciousness and success that combined fills your life with a certain calmness and a certain grace and a certain lightness that even if momentarily things are, you know, life is normal and you may have a little bit of up and down, but you, you have a confidence that it's sitting on this foundation of grace, that sooner or later you'll be able to get back to it, touch it, and, and reassure that that's your true foundation. Beautiful. I have, um, you've made me think of something. I'll, I'll, I'll save it for a moment. Uh, but I do want to ask a little bit about, so let's, I want to make sure as I, you know, when I leave this conversation that I'm in a position to understand these three things. So we already, I know you already covered it a little bit and you mentioned that you could speak a little bit more to it, but just so that myself, <laughs> And the listeners can move forward yeah. and 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 mindfully or physically <laughs> bring forward this link. Which is there anything else? And I don't know if you have a couple more minutes, but if um, is there anything else you could give us uh, yeah. for making that those that connection? Yeah, I'll give you I'll give you um, three points on the psychological Great. Uh, scaffolding that uh, very actionable things that we can all do that is in the service of getting us towards that philosophical experiencing who I, who I truly am. Um, gratitude. See, we, we live in a very amazing society where we, we have accomplished so much as a society because we are able to see, set a goal and say, this is where I would like to be and this is where I currently am. And how do I close that gap? What do I need to do to close that gap? And we work hard, we are motivated, we inspired, we get there. But there's something else that happens when we are constantly looking at the gap between where you would like to be and where we are. Our minds end up focusing on what is not there rather than what is there. Mm 
we forget that while we are focusing on the gap that needs to be closed, there is so much we have that we ought to be appreciative of, ought to be thankful for. That sense of gratitude with what is currently there, especially the people in our lives and the and the and and all the good things that have happened to get you to where we are. It is actually quite startling when you when you trace your life back to the time you were born, including the family you were born into and the place you were born into, and say, isn't it amazing how many things have actually worked? There are things that may not have worked, but how many things actually have worked? And you say, fantastic. I mean, I have to be grateful for all those things. And what are the odds lined up and they work? So that sense of gratitude is very powerful. Now, so I say end each day with a sense of gratitude about what you, you know, what, what you actually have in life. No matter what, there'll always be something we can be grateful for. That is one. The second one, trying to figure out how you can be of service to others. So you are, you are looking outwards and what can I do for others rather than what is it, you know, what is it I want and what is it that I crave for, right? And our con- talking about calling and purpose, the connection there because it's about if you are often, a calling is a call to serve and, and serve in different ways. But once we figure out how we can serve, that can have profound impacts on our sense of well-being and our sense of slowly starting to realize who we are. Because when we serve, we forget ourselves, and it is important that we lose ourself to truly find our real self, the biggest self, right? We We need to lose the transactional self we have to find the real self that we have. And the third one, um, on the psychological one, on a daily basis, find a way to touch beauty in some form or shape. Somewhere during the day, touch and experience beauty. There's a whole layered thing even beneath these three dimensions I highlighted, but at a very simple level, this notion of gratitude, being of service to others, and touching beauty goes a long way in preparing your mind to experience the real self, which is the philosophical uh, dimension that I was talking Beautiful. about. Oh, well, I will take you up on the opportunity to go deeper. I'll be in touch. Uh, <laughs> it's amazing. I, Absolutely. Anytime. I think that this is, and now, okay, so, and now, so you've come through and your health is your health is okay now. I just want to check. Your health is okay now? I'm at the the healthiest I've ever been in my entire life. Wow. And that this, this, I already knew you to be a very sort of elevated, thoughtful, considerate in person. And this is sometimes I think this happens. I've seen this happen where people, I I mean, I think the current book I'm writing is very much for people who have maybe been on the path to living in alignment for a long time. And as you said, doing all the right things. And then there's this health crisis and it's like, really? Like I was doing all the stuff, you know, (laughs) like how did this happen? And I think, I think that's just something I see. And then if I'm going to link it to 
even when bad stuff happens, it sits lightly, you know, or things. Did your health crisis sit lightly for you or, or how, how did that go for you? How, was there any feelings around that where you were like, what, I've done all this stuff. I've contributed so much and now I get this health thing or were you sort of at that sitting lightly place somewhere in between? I, 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 at the end of the three years, I came to a point of allowing it to sit lightly, okay. but not when it started. When it started, I was baffled and puzzled because you, you can't believe after 35 years of perfect health, not even having to go to a doctor, you suddenly go, why is my body recovering? Uh, I, I didn't ask why is it happening to me in a sense of, you know, I did all okay. the right things, uh, you know, why me? I, I, I didn't go there, but I was puzzled. I was baffled. I could not understand why my body wouldn't recover and why it wouldn't bounce back the way it usually does after a couple of days and why it would take such a long time. And that can be quite alarming and anxiety inducing because you're, you can't understand your own body and you're, you know, you're, you're struggling with it. And those were, those were uh, some dark uh, moments where you start to go, there's something happening that I don't understand, you know, and you, you feel fragile, you feel, because it's, a, it's a, again, the body-mind connection, the way you suddenly start to perceive things becomes different, you know, you, you, used to have this very robust, confident, no matter what, I'll take my body can handle it to go. My body is this very fragile thing and I am afraid to eat this or do that or touch that. This could happen or that could happen. I've never been like that. So that was a learning experience to learn to trust your body again and the wisdom of the body to heal and that you need to give and allow, you know, create the conditions for the body, body to heal. And it takes a while to trust to do that and also realize that by answering the philosophical and the psychological angles, that also helps the body uh, heal as well. So the body helps the mind heal and, and, and getting to the sense of who you are. But it's a bit of an iterative process and each helps the, helps the other. And I know that it is so difficult to control the mind. I, the way I put it is, why spend so much time or you know, we are struggling to, it's a lot easier to, to focus and manage the body, the more tangible one, than try to manage the mind. That's the more abstract monkey-like thing that jumps around all the time. It is so difficult to control the mind. And you mean I can't even control my my body now? I'm trying to control the mind. Let's focus. Start with the easier one. Well, Let's I think walk too the body we is. We know the body is. Work here. on the body. Right? I'm not, and we won't go down this rabbit hole right now. But I'm pretty sure the mind's not in there. And so I think it is easier to control the body. <laughs> Because Very the brain clear. is in there. I don't think the mind is in there. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, by all means, right. body at least, you know. Correct. More or less. Correct. I know that if I, you know, if we were to touch fingers, our cells would jump into each other. But we're more or less, you know, organized <laughs> right, into clumps. Yeah. So, oh, that's really fun. Um, yeah. I will ask you a question unless, uh, well, I have, I have one question for me, just a fun question at the end, but is there anything else that I didn't ask you that you think um, you should mention before we wrap up? The only other point I want to say is um, this is a journey that we need to be on all the time. It is not that once, once we have understood and realized certain things, we can say, that's it. I'm, I know I'm, I'm in a new place. I don't have to, to worry about it. It's, it's daily work. And I've heard it from even the, uh, the, the wisest of the ancients who talk about how 
a daily basis they need to continue to stay stay on this journey i call it uh, on a daily basis moving from the mountain top to the marketplace and back to the mountain top meaning it's in the marketplace where we have the hustle and bustle of daily life the triumphs and the failures the pains and the, and the and, and the high moments and all that then it's like tape everything sticks to us but we need to develop capacity and take the time to then at the end of the day go back to the mountain top where we can be like teflon where all these things fall off and you realize your true self and say oh all this is just tape that sticks in the marketplace but beneath that i'm still untouched i'm teflon and that ability to move smoothly and easily between the marketplace and the mountain top if we can master that on a daily basis no matter what happens we will land back and seek find our uh, tranquility and our haven in the real self that is untouched all the I time i think that is a very important uh note to touch on that this really is a a learning journey and a learning experience and i think it is important to remember that it's daily work because i think a lot of you know i think that's true for me in my life and that certainly wasn't the way i was raised i was raised to work towards something and then get it and then work towards the next thing and then get it and then work towards the next thing and then get it and this is like yeah i'll work towards today and then i'll work towards tomorrow <laughs> towards the next day and it is very much um yeah yeah a, a ongoing fluid process i w- i will say that i've um a year ago you know just even in this year one of the things that's been such a joy and this is why i'm writing my next book um with the working title formula uh for abundance from science to spirit and spirit to science is that it's quite amazing to me you know that i am able to hold like so many things very lightly and that has definitely taken a long time to um to develop and many tests along the way. Um I do have a question for you since that is the title of my book Formula for Abundance. I would love for you to uh if you're willing to to help me out, I would love for you to tell me when I use the word abundance, what meaning does that hold for you? What how would you define abundance? In my mind, I equate abundance to arriving at my true self with a capital s because that is part and parcel of the universal self or the which means there are no boundaries there are no limits that i am beyond the confines of my tangible identity and there is an abundance there of a limitless right so i in in my the, at that moment the experience and what you draw is not is not bound by just the the uh, the expression of yourself but arriving at the essence of your true self that's that's vast that's limitless that's abundant that to me is what abundance would prefer at the very deepest level um, that's the way i would feel and when you do arrive at the true self you will feel abundant so you just might see that in the book uh <laughs> with your name next to it i think that that is 
Somebody okay. asked me yeah. just the other day, why wouldn't yeah. you go for prosperity? And I'm like, because that's not what I want to teach people. <laughs> and it is that, that true sense. And I think, um, yeah you articulate it so beautifully. You've been extremely generous with your time. Listeners, we had so many interruptions and we've edited them out, but <laughs> it's been a real gift. Um, had some gardening and water deliveries and uh, and different things. Thank you very much, um, Elango. This has just been, I remember now why I was so taken with my initial conversations with you. I could talk to you all day. Thank you. You're very, no, thank you. Uh, this has been a very life-affirming conversation. I think, as I said, anytime, this is what fills me up. So, And it's always wonderful to talk to somebody else who's on the same journey. So I appreciate you walking the path for a little bit with me. So Beautiful. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Thinking of Vitamins podcast with Dr. Alanga Van, helping you answer the big three questions in life. I chatted with Alango after the episode and said to him, you should really write a book. <laughs> and he confessed that that might be something on his mind. And if you want to follow Alango, you can find him on LinkedIn. I would highly advise going and following him there if you were fascinated by the conversation that we had. Um, if you did appreciate the conversation, it would be wonderful. You can also comment below, especially on YouTube. You can comment below. Let us know where you're tuning in from and what you liked about this episode in particular. And if you haven't already, wherever you're watching, YouTube, Spotify, Apple, please go ahead and subscribe to the channel uh, or follow or like. Everybody does it differently, but it really does help when you take a moment and support the show. I make the Thinking Vitamins podcast to help you improve your abundance in all forms. And if you do have ideas on topics you'd like me to cover, people you'd like me to interview, I would love to hear from you. You can contact me in the show notes. You will find information about how you can send us an email and share feedback or ideas or anything you like about the show. That's all for this episode. I will see you in the next video. Until next time, wishing you light, love, healing, and abundance in all areas of your life. Thinking Vitamins with Jill McKay.